I would say open your Bibles. But I should not, now I can say turn on your phones. But don't make phone calls or message or Facebook. Because, you know, you get, you get your, your Bible on your phone. I got my Bible on my phone. Second mm-hmm. Timothy 2, 1 through 4. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No, serving, no, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in, in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Father, we thank you, and we're always careful to give you the honor, glory, and the praise. I ask, God, that you would help us to, to do what you call us to do. You have a plan for us. You have a purpose, a reason. And God, let us get into that plan. Get in line. Get on your sheet of music. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would change lives. Break bondages. For it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. And I ask for that anointing to fall now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, Victory Outreach, the main scripture, well, many of us know it, Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. And I believe these are promises that God gave us during this end time harvest. And we are in the end times, more so than at any other time. If you look at the Middle East, so what's happening, what's taking place, I can honestly and confidently say that Jesus is coming soon. So what, what will we need to do? Huh? Since we all agree that Christ is coming back, do our actions, or should I say, our actions should reflect this belief. You know, I, I've been told, and I, I tell many, you know, if we, could you imagine if, if I had a guarantee and I told that Jesus is coming tomorrow, how would you act today? What would you do? I, I, I think that, that temptation wouldn't be as tempting. That, 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 that anger would probably subside a little easier if you really believe that Jesus was coming tomorrow. And he's coming soon. So we have, to, we have to have that mindset and always act like that. John the Baptist, when he came, his message was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. At hand means you can grab it with your hand. And the kingdom of God, although there's no country, any kingdom, any nation, any country is not determined by borders, but it's determined by its citizens and its monetary, uh, its money. Every nation has its own money. And we have our own currency, should I say. And our currency is not dollar bills. Our currency is faith. So as, as believers, if we have that currency of faith and the kingdom of God is at hand, we're a part of that nation, that holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. So it says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. We preach the gospel of the kingdom because we are living in this kingdom age. Now, here, today, Jesus' message is the kingdom is here. That, that is authority, power, understanding, purpose. See, prior to Christ coming, many people didn't understand the scripture. 
they had the Old Testament and they, they heard and read the prophecies, but they really didn't understand what it actually meant. It was, it was veiled. They were, they were, it was darkly to them. So they would try to create man-made laws, which they did. There was over 300 laws, and they created man-made laws to try to reach God. But God's intent was never for, for us to reach Him. His intent was for Him to reach us. But people didn't understand that. Huh? That power, authority, understanding, purpose is what we live in. Now, because Christ came and he had his messenger, such as the apostle Paul, we have that authority, we have that power and the understanding. In fact, Paul's job was to make known the manifest mysteries of the gospel to us. That was his job. To reveal what God intended for us. To we are to pursue God's kingdom and to overtake enemy territory. Now, when we say that, it's not a violent takeover, trying to reestablish a, a different ruler in some foreign land. No, 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 it's not that. It's greater than that. We're trying to win over the people, people's hearts and lives in every inner city of the world. That's our job. That's what we're called to do, to reach every inner city of the world with power, authority, understanding, and purpose, taking over the enemy's territory. The enemy's territory is not seated in land. It's in the individual. You're either for God or you're not. There's no in between. So our job is to reach, well, our job is to share. And those who respond is to make disciples so they can do the same. We're talking about, again, we're talking about God's will. And what we're really talking about is how we're going to get to it. Timothy's charge embodies Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, and Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Right? He, Timothy... You have to have a willingness to stretch towards God's will. Stretch. God's will is not some easy rose garden, hopscotch, holding hands type of a activity. Doing God's will. Oh, that's so lovely. Let's go do God's will. We hold hands and hopscotch. That's not God's will. Why? Because when you live godly in Christ, some people, maybe even in your own family, won't like you. Some people... Might even talk about you. Worse, some people might even hit you. And if you get, and if you're marked and you move into the supernatural, some demons could even attack you. Willingness to stretch toward God. So God doesn't make anybody understanding that this is a tough gig. Doing God's will. Understand this, nobody's forced. Everybody gotta say, I'm, I'm willing, I'll do it. Here am I. Send me. I'll do it. God, you saved me, you touched me. You did so much for me. What can I do? Right? That, that's got to be a willingness. Stretch. Because stretching takes commitment. Oh, that dirty word. Commitment. Right? Stretching takes endurance. Because you're going to get tired at times. You know, I've always said ministry is easy if it wasn't for the people. Right? And you're going to have to Endure. And really, it's not the tax of the people. You look at James, the book of James, and James is writing to the 12 tribes of Israel there, and he's writing to them, and he said, endure hardship, like, right? Uh, count it all joy. And, and when people read that, they go, ooh, the devil. He is not talking about demonic activity. He said, when you're going through trials of many kinds, he said, count it all joy, because these people were being persecuted by other people. So he's telling them, hey, when people are coming against you, when people are hurting you, when people are lying about you, count it all joy. And that takes endurance. Because sometimes you get, get tired. You know how you feel sometimes. You're going to get tired. And you don't want to count our joy. 
You want to punch somebody in the nose? Or is that just me? You're like, oh, we'll get kind of a door. I'll knock you out and keep it up. But we can't do that. Amen? See, see God's will requires stretching. And stretching not only causes commitment, uh, requires commitment and endurance, but it also requires that we become together as one and be united on purpose. United to do something. Not only are we united, then we, we become intimate. We get to know each other. More than just coming to church, and, and that's great, but that should be the starting point. We should make new friends. Or better yet, we should be a new friend and create that intimacy. You know, because we're supposed to be a family of God, right? And I don't know very many families that don't talk to each other. They, they at least talk, even if they're mad, they still talk to each other, right? And so we have to be a family. Increase our intimacy if we're, intimacy, if we're going to stretch and do what God has called us to do. So if you're committed, it's like pledging allegiance to the flag. When you pledge to a country, uh, pledging to a country rather should be indicative of our pledge to Jesus' ministry. When I joined the military years ago, the first thing you do, even before they shave all your hair off and your beard, is you got to swear an oath. Pledge allegiance. And, and that oath is a heavy oath, very heavy it, it, it goes so deep that you're saying, I will be willing to die for this country. I will be willing to die for this flag. I will be willing to do this. You're pledging that. And I remember when I first came in and I signed up and I, I just wanted to get out of my neighborhood and I joined the army and I went in there and they started saying all this stuff. I go, hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. They, nobody told me how to do this because I understand there's something about the word. And, and growing up, my, my father said, let you yes, be yes, or you know, be no. If you're going to say you're going to do this, you, are you you're going to do this? And I started thinking, wait a minute, am I going to do this? Am I really going to do this pledge of allegiance to die? I had to think about that. Right? And so you really have to think about your allegiance to Christ. Don't, 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 don't take it lightly and so easy come. You know, Jesus would talk about when, when people come and build something, they don't just build it, they, they count the cost. You know, salvation is free. Amen? We don't do nothing for salvation. Jesus paid that price, but ministry will cost you. Huh? So we're saved, but now do, are we willing to stretch to do something for God? Pledge allegiance to, to God's call for the unity of our vision, to the kingdom which, which we live for. In the church of God, individual with authority and salvation for all. So as a country goes to war, commitment is tested. And we notice this. Americans, because of our prosperity and the length of time between wars happening on our country, on our land. So we don't, we don't experience war no more in America. You know, we have, we, we, the closest thing we have to war is some group covers their head with a black mask. That's it. See, but other countries understand what war is. And because of that, we are soft when it comes to war. Technology has taken the place of blood. Right? And so uh, your commitment is tested when you go to war. When we look at the war we've been in, we've lost, you know, I think 4,500 men in Afghanistan. And there are wars where they've lost... Three times that in one day. And so over a 10-year period, 
we've had many injuries and, and every injury is terrible, but, but that's, that is war. And because of our safety and our being blessed, we're very soft and our commitment level wanes very quickly. So nation, people must be committed if they're going to fight. Committed if they're going to fight. They have to be committed if they're going to fight. And remember, what, what kind of a nation are we? We're a, we're a royal priesthood. We're, we belong uh, to a kingdom. But we're not the nation of this world. But nonetheless, a, a nation must be committed if they're going to fight. Is our holy nation committed to fight? Because listen, the devil is not going to play, you know, patty cake. Patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. No, the devil don't like you, don't like your mama, and wants to kill you. Bottom line. So I, one thing about this, I know there's an enemy that wants to kill me. The Bible says he goes about a roaring lion, wants to kill me, wants to destroy me. Okay, Jack, then I'm coming after you. I'm not going to wait at home and barricade my house. I'm committed to fight. Hey, to prove your commitment, your allegiance to the kingdom of God, it has to go through some testings. God always uses people, situations, and His word to test you. Before I was prepared to go to war, we were motivated to go fly into Iran when they took the hostages. The, sand, the sandstorm came in, knocked the helicopters out of the sky, they pulled us back. But we were ready to go to war. We were committed to go to war. Right? But you're going to have to go, you have to go through a test. Before I got there, we went through basic training. And back then, basic training was abusive. Now you can't, they can't even talk about you. When I came into basic training, they talked about you, spit in your face, said all kinds of things about everybody you loved. And, and like, what? Are you kidding me? I joined the army for this? But they're trying to break you down. Their, their idea was to break you down to build you up. Come in a civilian, walk out a soldier, ready to do battle. So God will always put, use people, situations, and his words to test you. And most commitments far too often are shallow and superficial. They're committed as long as you don't bother me too much. They're committed, well, don't ask for an offering. They're committed. And see, that kind of commitment will not allow us, will not give us the resources or the manpower to reach the world. And I'm under orders. That man has put us under orders. We're to, we're, we're to reach treasure of darkness, that's our men's home and a woman's home, and to stretch our tent curtains wide and reach every inner city of the world. That's what we do. That's what I've been doing for 35 years, and that's what I'll do for the next 35 years. That's what we do. Amen? So a, a lackluster commitment, however, has very little power to withstand attack. Huh? You got to be able to stick it in there, stay. The first disagreement you have at church gives you enough reason to leave. Not very committed. I've had on several occasions people tell me, I know people who are going to leave the church because of brother so-and-so. And before I would say, oh man, don't you know, talk to them. Don't, don't let them leave the church. You know what I say now? Good, hurry up, have them get out of here. Why? Because if they're going to leave over an argument... They're not very committed. And when the pressure comes and we need to do something great, they'll leave anyway. You, you know, people are going to do, choose and do what they've got to do. I'm trying to raise up disciples, people that are committed to the cause. 
See, I grew up in a neighborhood where people were dying of, of her, uh, old, old, old overdoses daily. My neighborhood, the park was called Needles Park because of all the syringes in the park. And I seen, I had uncles and aunts and, and relatives die all the time. I've seen girls at, at 10, 11, 12, 13 turn a trick. Why? Because they're being, being abused. See, I have found a cause worth fighting for. But I understand something. If we're going to go to the inner city, it's going to take some men and women with guts. It's going to take some men and women who are willing. Let's do this. We have a cause. We have a reason to exist. Hmm? So now I said, well, hopefully they find a good place to land. Because they can't make it here in Victor Arts because they're too weak. Huh? We, need, we need strong people. Hello. Let me say it again. We need strong people. This morning I pray for the commitment. For commitment. Commitment. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to go, but you could support those who are going to go. Because not everybody's going to go. In fact, some of you shouldn't go. Because we go to some ruthless places. But you can support those who will go. Right? Because we have some that are willing to go. And invariably, those people come out of our homes. Why? Because they've come from ruthless places. They're just going to, they're going to some place where they've been before. Just here, it's a different country, different world, different language. But I've learned something. I'm doing a lot of study on, on cultures and subcultures, right? And global theology. And I found something. I'm blowing these, uh, these university professors' mind. And they're talking about, oh, you have to be able to adapt to the culture. I go, no, you don't. We don't. What do you mean? I go, well, well, I understand what you're saying. But there's something about the inner cities of the world. Something about it. When we go into the inner city, when I take, don't raise your hand. But if you're a meth head, criminal, you know what I'm talking about? I'm walking over here because the home, men's home over here. I could walk over to the ladies' home too, right? Right, if I take you, I could drop you in any inner city of the world, boom, and you'll relate to everybody in there. Because what, what ha the devil has created through that violent inner city is a culture within a culture. It is a subculture. And a drug addict, a dope fiend, a meth head, crackhead, a prostitute in any inner city in Colorado Springs is the same girl, same guy in, in, in the inner city in Moscow, Cape Town, Manila. And I've been to Cape Town. I've been to Manila. I've been to Europe. And they're the exact same thing. I, well, I, I'm like, I go, check this out. Now. See, now the Bible becomes, becomes alive to me. Why? Because now I see how God says he will take that which is evil and turn it around for good. Oh, oh, come on, you can give the Lord a hand of praise for that one. And that's what the Bible does. So what do we do? We go into the inner cities and we get those crazy women. You know, like J. Rell. The Bible talks about J. Rell where the enemy came in and this one guy was fighting the Jews and he was, like, he was part of the enemy of the Philistine camp. And he comes in, he was, he was tired. He was, you know, wanted to take a nap. And, and this woman, uh, J. Rell, said, oh yeah, go ahead, take a nap. He took a nap. The guy went let down. And while he was sleeping, she took a spike and drove right through his temple. I go, that's a victory hour to go right there. Huh? That's the, kind of, that, that, that's the kind of mentality we're talking about in Scripture that we, have, we need. And you don't find them. You know, uh, 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 God bless you if you're a Betty Crocker fan, right? But you have to be deeper than that. You have to be a little bit more tougher than that. And so those type of people, we, God has to raise them up. Why? Because we're going to send you to the inner cities of the world. So while we're sending you, we need another group of people who may not have had that, but they understand the gospel. They understand their purpose. They understand a plan. And they say, you know what? I can't do that. I don't relate to that. But I, but I can support those to go. 
And that's what we're trying to develop here. Those who can support to go and those who are looking forward to go. And that, that's a difference. Like some people say, well, how can you do that? It's not even how I, you, I that's like a, a weird question to me. Because to me, it's like telling me, how come you, how come you go to, to Manila and, and Indonesia or Africa to these bad cities? To me, it's like going home. It's like I'm just going home, going home in another country. I get to deal with my friends that I grew up with, my sister that, that was messed up, my uncle that OD'd. They're all out there in every inner city of the world. Huh? So, so it's what we're called to do. So what? Are you willing to stretch? Are you, are you willing to be committed to this? And that's what we have to establish. Those who are willing to be committed. So we, not only what we have for the world, but we have a specific mission for this city. Not only to spread the gospel locally, but again, all over the place. To meet the challenge to preach. You have to give yourself totally to Jesus Christ. Totally. Mm. Ephesians 4.1, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he goes, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of a call you have received. Now here's the Apostle Paul. I mean, uh, yeah, the Apostle Paul as a prisoner of the Lord. So when you're a prisoner, not that you may know, when you're in prison, you're committed. You can't go. They even say you've been committed to this place. Why? You're in there. And Paul says, I've been committed to this. I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Your commitment will force you to live a life worthy of the call of Jesus. Uncompromising, sold out, determined to reach the lost no matter the cost. So I was birthed in this type of preaching, reaching the lost no matter the cost. I said, okay, I dig that. We're going to reach the lost no matter the cost. We're going to do this. How committed are you to the cause of Christ? You know, when I'm talking, I'm not talking about some strange thing. This is something that's been done from the foundations. When Jesus, or rather when God, God reached out to the Hebrew, they, they were worse than us. They were the people and God raised them up. He went to the worst to raise them up. God, that's God's M.O. Going to the desolate cities. You must be committed to stretch towards God's will. And then that stretching, you're going to get tired. Sometimes serving church is hard. I mean, okay, going to church, serving in church is hard. Can I say, can I hear an amen? Okay. For the rest of you, it's easy. That means you're not serving. But for those who are in church, trying to serve and trying to build a ministry, sometimes it gets hard. Why? Why? Because you have to deal with brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. You have to schedule. You have to adjust your life around ministry. That's not an easy task. You think that's, that's difficult. But nothing will happen unless people say, I'll do it. Huh? So that word endurance means to, 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 I mean, stretch means to extend, broaden, enlarge, widen. Huh? So we know how to reach treasure of darkness. That's second nature. In fact, reaching treasure of darkness, we don't have to do anything. Because the Bible says, God promises, I will give you treasure of darkness. That, 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 the implication there, just don't sin, be obedient, and I'm going to give you treasure of darkness. That's it. And they're going to show up. They're going to call. They're going to call the... The, the, the grasshopper. Oh, you got place in the men's home, the woman's home, right? Call. They pretty much just walk in. Because the Bible promised he will give us that. So that's second nature to us. What's, what's hard is enlarging our tent. 
Why? Because most people that stick tend to come to the home. Right? And, but it, when you're coming through the home, it takes a little while for you to get your bearings, your feet are underneath you. So we have to stretch, we have to build, we have to build, we have to build. We, when when we, people come from the other way, not from the home, from this way in, all of a sudden they begin to see, oh, wait a minute. Now I like what they're doing, but it sounds like work to me. It is. It is work. It is work to keep a prostitute from turning another trick. It is work to help a guy out of the neighborhood. It is work. It is work to keep somebody from getting shot or stabbed. It takes work. It does take work. And so you're going to have to have endurance to stick it out. Right? Victor Ash believes that God truly walks before us and he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through the bars of iron. Huh? So our call asks us all to stretch. Stretching tests your endurance. Now, you ever watch the Olympics? One thing I like on track and field, I don't watch all of it, but the one thing I like is watching the 100-yard dash. I like that. But you'll notice something about the 100-yard dash. You have these guys and girls. Their, their legs are about that big. You ever see them? Like all legs. They have giant frog legs. Man, they got big legs. Right? But they get out there, and they're getting ready, and they're going to run their 100-yard dash. And before they do it, they, they, they go through a series of exercises. They start going like this. Right? 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 What are they doing? Right? You ever see that? They're going like this. What are they doing? They're stretching. They're stretching. Because if they're going to do something, they just can't get out there and start running. You've got to stretch. See, and people, sometimes you get involved in things that you shouldn't get involved in because you're not ready or you haven't been stretched enough. And say, so if I'm going to raise up men and women to go and help me get turned off darkness, you have to start stretching. Because if you don't stretch, what, if those runners went out there and took off without stretching, what would happen to them? They'd probably blow out their hamstring. Right? And, and they go, oh, what happened to brother and so-and-so? Well, he, he thought he could run with us. He seen Pastor Peter preaching. He said he can do that. So he's going to get in the game, and he's going to do it. Because, you know, he's been saved two weeks, and now he knows everything. And so he's going to do it, and he wants to run with us. And all of a sudden, he back, they backslide. We call it backsliding. I call it they pull a hammy. What happened? He didn't stretch. He thought he was ready. Got to stretch. So when you're younger, you can get away with not stretching. I used to go to gym. I told you, I'm a gym rat, right? When I was younger, I didn't really stretch that much. I'd go in there, we'd work out light. And then I'd build myself up, but I wouldn't stretch. Now, <laughs> these old muscles said, you better stretch, dude. And so before I even work out, I have to go on the, I go on the, um, the rower for 10 minutes just to warm my muscles. Now my muscles are warm because they're old. You know, older muscles take longer. I can even hear them when I'm doing it, right? And after a while, they start warming up. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I think I'm ready. So after 10 minutes of, of the rowing, then... I go stretch, right? And so it takes me like a little while just to get going. Then once I get a little of a stretch, I don't get too carried away. I get lightweight. Do my clinking jerk. Then I get a little heavier. This, this, this last week, I, uh, yes, a couple days ago, yesterday, I did a, a deadlift. I'm lightweight. And I got to build up. And the same thing is in Christianity. If you're going to do God's will, 
If all you do is come to church, then, then you have to change your mindset. You have to say, you know, I'm just going to come to church and I'm going to be a supporter. And that's okay. But you're not going to be able to run with those who are going to go deeper into the things of God. So, and that's all, like I said, you got to find out where you're at. If you're not called to do that, and because you, you don't stretch enough, you, like the disciples, we're gonna have two two discipleships coming up. And then, oh, that's your thing. I'm too busy. You know, Saturday I got to go to picnic, and on this weekend I'm gonna go camping. That's cool. Then you're not called to go deep into ministry. Just can't do it because you'll pull a hammy. You have to prepare that. You have to prepare yourself for it. That's why we provide these things for you to prepare those who are gonna run the race. Now, our problem is some people get offended by that. Well, you're making me feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I'm trying to tell you there's different layers. And if you're happy, great. But if you have a call in your life, and there's something inside you stirring and burning even when I'm speaking, and you just can't help, you don't, you don't understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling right now, because God has a call in your life. Listen, my friend, you better start stretching. You got to stretch. Are you ready to move into the endurance stage of walking with God? That's why Paul tells his young disciple, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who are also will be qualified to teach others. He's right here. Paul is doing the very thing I'm trying to do right now with you. Then he says to Timothy, endure hardships like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please the commanding officers. So there's a clear distinction of people involved in in this this ministry that we're called, of the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's a distinction of those who are civilian and those who are not civilian. And those who are not civilians, their only concern, their only concern is to please their commanding officer. That's their only concern. Don't you realize we're at war? Does anybody know that we're at war? Uh, so we're at war. And we have to stretch ourselves. See, and you have to all constantly deal with your endurance. Deal with it. Give yourself wholly. Paul is talking. I love Paul in 1 Timothy 4.14. He goes, do not neglect the gift. 1 Timothy 4, 14, verse through 16. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophetic message when the body of El laid their hands on you. Be diligent. I like what he said. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. Holy is a very unique word. It doesn't mean part-time. It doesn't even, it means even beyond full-time. It means holy. In other words, everything about you All that you think about, everything is given to this cause of Christ. Everything. The only reason you go to work is to help support the cause of Christ. The only reason you marry this girl is because this girl is going to help you build the ministry that God has called it to. The only reason you're having kids is because you want to raise them up to be your disciples. Because now you're giving yourself holy, holy, completely, everything. Years ago, I told the Lord that I give all my kids to the ministry. My daughter's in San Jose. My son is a licensed minister and worship leader. I give holy everything, everything. I would rather have my sons and daughter be lost to me in ministry than lost in the world getting loaded like I was doing. Smoking dope, running and gunning. 
So I pray, God, let them get lost in your cause. Let them go all over the world and preach the gospel. At least I know they'll be safe because you're going to take care of them. Got to stretch. See, no endurance, no commitment. No commitment, no endurance, no growth. You're not going to grow. One thing you have to do too, never stretch alone. Bring people around with you. Psalm 133 one to three says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Hermon were falling on the mountain Hermon. For the Lord bestows his blessings, even life, evermore. Uh, see, many people want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want to be led by the Holy Spirit? However, too many cannot be led. So the clue is found right there in Psalm 133. Unity is like oil on the head. Unity. 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 Unity doesn't mean you have to like each other. Unity means you love each other. Unity doesn't mean you have to go to coffee with them. But unity means you don't gossip about them. Are you with me? Because it would be you know, unfair to say that we get along with everybody. There's some people you just ain't going to get along with. And that's okay. There's some people who ain't going to like you either. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean we can't be in unity. That's why you need a cause. That's why you need a purpose. Because our purpose keeps us in, in unity. If there's no purpose, if there's no vision, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. And why do you think I'm driving the purpose, the purpose, our cause, our cause? Why? Because there's going to be a time, I'm going to use an example, that she ain't going to like her. And she ain't going to like you. And you ain't going to like him. And who cares? Who cares? We have a reason for existence. We have a purpose. If you think and if you try to make everybody like you, you're in trouble. That's not what you're here for. The Bible never says make everybody like you. No. But it says be united in purpose. Be united because that is the anointing. And then when you ask, you want the anointing? Yeah, I want the anointing? Then you got to stop hating that brother. Because you'll never get anointed if you have issues with people. How, 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 why would God want to anoint you? When you're gossiping, complaining, backbiting, hello. See, unity is vital to our walk with God. This is one of the most powerful, rather, this is one of Jesus' most powerful uh, sayings in the Bible or Scripture. How pleasant it is. Unity, unity. So we all looked at Jesus' prayer for Lazarus. That's powerful. Lazarus, come forth. That's heavy. He was dead and brought back to life. That's heavy. But I'm going to tell you what, it is much harder to bring people who are alive together in unity. Because the dead has no choice but to listen. Boom, okay. But people that are alive and living, that have their own opinion, you know, I got my own opinion. And they have their own prejudices. Well, when I grew up, we were talking like this. And they have their own idiosyncrasies. And then you're going to say, get along. It takes more power to do that. Uh, that's why we need the anointing of God. Because we're trying to bring so many different people from different cultures, from different eras, different economic strata. We're bringing them from, from the top to the bottom. We're trying to bring them together to a cause. That's what we're trying to do. We need the anointing. We need to be united. 
John 17, 20 through 21, Jesus is praying. And in one of the most powerful prayers, he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they be one. Just as you and I are one. Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me. Unity. How often have you heard people say, I ain't going to church. Oh, the church is full of hypocrites. And, and they come in and, and, they don't, and people are fighting and complaining with each other in the church. We lose our anointing. We lose our power. We have to get along. We have to be united in purpose. It's your brother, your sister. Don't talk about yourself. We're a body. That'd be like talking, and I guess some people do that, you know, but I don't talk about myself. Your stupid foot. What's wrong with you? Yeah, if I walk around talking about myself, I think I'm crazy. And that's how people come in, come to church and see people talking about each other. Oh, you stupid finger. How can you not straight? You're fat. Hey, you're crooked. Oh, my, my stupid ear. Look at my ears. Stupid ears stick out too much. We shouldn't talk about our body. Amen? Unity will bring in a fresh anointing into our ministry. The anointing produces authority. The anointing produces power. The anointing produces understanding. The anointing produces purpose. And that's what we need, a fresh anointing. Stretching, coming together. When we have that anointing, then we'll get, then we'll get to know each other. Now, that's what I, I like the best, getting to know people. Not just from a distance, but deep. Really know what makes you tick. What makes you happy? What makes you cry? Why are you here? What do you want to do in life? Oh, that's intimacy. And listen, we all have our dreams. We all have our desires. And God wants to fulfill those dreams and desires. But I'm here to tell you, there's enough room in this ministry for you to fulfill your dreams. To fulfill your dreams. Amen? So we have to get together and be willing John 15, 15, as my piano player comes forward. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. See, this is Jesus getting intimate with his disciples, getting deeper, intimacy with God. So what is the easiest way to become Intimate with God. Here's a trick. The easiest way. For people say, I want to get closer to God. Who wants to get closer to God? Okay. And see, the, 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 the false doctrine, if you will, is that you can become intimate with God in your prayer closet. No. The prayer closet is very needed. See, but the only way for you to become intimate with God is to fulfill all the commands. Right? And the Bible says there's only one way to fulfill all the commands. It's to love God and your neighbor. So, if you want to get intimate with God, until you begin to get intimate with your neighbor, it won't happen. Why? Because God is concerned about your neighbor. And if you have the gospel message in you, he's so concerned about your neighbor that he wants you to, to get to know them to share it. To teach it. To raise them up. And listen, I always say this and I keep driving home. 
as God begins to work through you, what happens? He works in you. People think that God will just work in you. God cannot work in you unless He's working through you. That's what He means by being intimate. Love God and your neighbor. In those two commands, all the law is fulfilled. See, ministry, that's ministry. So you want to get, you want to get intimate with God? You have to get intimate with your neighbor. Somehow, some way. Because just look at the practicality of it. If I walk up to Ace and he's doing the things of God, right? And I know a little bit more. And I begin to share with him, talk to him, tell him things. He begins to talk to me about what his hurts, his desires, his wants. We're getting intimate. Because I'm doing that, God is now obligated to get intimate with me. Why? Because I'm, I'm obeying his command. I'm getting intimate. So I always bring people over, talk to them. Not be, and, and I say it like this, not so much because I care about Jose, although I do care about Jose. But that's not my motivation. My motivation is I want to get intimate with God. And I know if I'm going to get intimate with him, I got to find somebody, anybody who's willing to hear me, listen to me, willing to talk to me and share it with them. Get to know them, then to get to know me. And as I'm doing that, now God says, okay, check this out. Al, come here. Let me show you something. Let me show you something about prayer and my holiness. And I'm getting more intimate. I go, well, that's heavy. Now nah, I'm always looking for somebody. I need somebody to share with. Why? Because I want to get intimate with God. Intimate. Willing. And let's, let's be honest. Doing that is difficult. It's not an easy task. That's why God honors it. He knows how difficult it is. He knows that some people are introverted. He knows all about you. But when you do that, all of a sudden he begins to speak to you and show you things. Now watch this. Look at this. Hmm? And throughout Scripture, we see the relationship that, that God developed. Elijah and Elisha, Moses, Joshua, Paul, Timothy, you, and put in the blank. See, no intimacy, intimacy with people no intimacy with God. You may know about God. You may claim to love Him. But you lack intimacy. The intimacy is so important. God will bring people your way to build you and fortify you with intimate care. We need to step out, open our hearts to it. Jesus was intimate with His disciples. He didn't just take, meet Him at church. He lived with them. He dwelt among them. He would take moments to teach them as they walked down the field. He goes, see that farmer? The, the kingdom of God is like that farmer throwing the seed out. Huh? Oh, you see this? He began to use all these other analogies. You, you, the story of the lost coin, the 99. Every time he'd walk. So you don't get those opportunities to share, share biblical truth unless you're with people. Intimate. Jesus modeled that for us. See, intimacy is our strength. When the stretching comes. In fact, when you pour out to people and when you're hurting, those very people come to undergird you, lift you up, and carry you. And every once in a while, we're all going to need to be carried. They carry you through the hard times. Huh? Intimacy, where you have someone who understands you. 
somebody or somewhere where you belong. We all need intimacy as we stretch towards the will of God. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.